Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. We're momming today with Dr. Ken Ginsberg, a pediatrician, specializes in adolescent medicine, is also the co-founder and director at the Center for Parent and Teen Communications. Dr. Ken Ginsberg, also a dad of adults, however, uh, but you've been through this. Uh, If you were to define right now the state of teenage mental health in America, what is it? Well, I think that we have to be concerned about our teenagers. You know, um, we as a country have uh, come through a time of tremendous uncertainty. Um, And that leaves teenagers feeling vulnerable. So while there is definitely an increase in um, numbers of young people who are suffering from anxiety and depression, I think it's equally as important to point out that most kids are doing really well and to use this time as an opportunity to learn both how to support those kids who aren't doing well and how to really optimize this moment in time to produce the best generation ever. I have young children and I fear the days uh, when they're adolescents. But I guess I have to ask the silly question first. What age is considered adolescent? You know, in general, um, it's considered between about 11 and 24. Um, But, you know, it varies. It depends on um, your child's physical development, cognitive development. But um, in general, we we call it between 11 and 24. What are the signs when you think you need to a really worry about your child and then also intervene, seek help? What are some of those subtle signs or maybe not so subtle? They may be subtle or they may not be subtle. Um, But the first thing I want to back up and I want to say that when you're worried because your teenage because your children are going to become adolescents, I want to point out that I don't want you to worry. I want you you to be prepared to celebrate this time because you're about to see the adult your child's going to become. You're going to see the fruits of your involvement. So there's a lot to really celebrate during this time. Okay, okay, but they're talking back. They're not listening. They're fresh. You might not like some of the friendships that they've made. You don't like what they're wearing. We're supposed to appreciate the adults we're going to help shape. Yes, because what's important, Lauren, is that you are able to frame each of those things developmentally and understand it. Your child in the time that they're wrestling to become independent, right, they need to push you away. But I need you to be able to really understand what's going on. They're not pushing you away because they don't like you or because they don't value you. We know that they value you the most. They care deeply what their parents think. They care intensely what adults think. And it's that they love you so much. And yet they also understand they need to become independent ultimately that they push you away, not because they don't like you, but because they love you so much, it hurts. And this is what they know to do. And and this is directly related to your question, because, yes, I want you to be really vigilant 
for when your child is going to be in trouble. But the real key is to be the kind of parent that your child will come to when they are in trouble. And that is about open communication and about your being present and about your being a sounding board to hear their concerns. If you parent in that way, the signs that will present will be much less slap you in the face signs because they'll have given you clues that problems are developing. So how do you foster the independence and the trust while not being a helicopter parent? And then maybe they'll want to come to you to tell you stuff that they're not supposed to tell their parents. So helicopter parents are over controlling. And in the uh, uh, move towards independence, children will naturally push you away, including not including you in their life. We actually know from 60 years of research and lots of common sense what kind of parents actually have kids who come to them the most. And those are parents who practice a balanced style of parenting, meaning they're both loving and warm and caring and have very clear rules that are around safety and around being a good human being. When kids know that that is your goal, to keep them safe and to raise them to be a good human being, they include you in your life. If you parent in a way that's all controlling, you do what I say, why? Because I said so, they push you away. And if you do it in a way that's friendly, Hey, darling, I love you so much. Call me Ken. You know, um, uh, I'm going to trust you. You can do whatever you want. You've got good values called permissive parenting. Kids also don't come to you because they don't want to disappoint their friends. They come to parents who are both warm and loving. Darling, I love you so much, but I'm your dad. I'm not your friend and you're better off having a dad. I'm going to let you make mistakes. And I'm going to be there to help you pick yourself up when you do. But for things that might involve your safety or that get in the way of your being a good person, I will watch out. I will guide you and I will protect you. So I call this lighthouse parenting. So in a metaphor, uh, be a lighthouse on the shoreline from which your child can measure themselves against. Look down at the rocks and don't let your kid crash against them. But look into the waves and know that ultimately they're going to need to ride them on their own, but prepare them to do so. Can you give me some real life examples of an instance and, you know, what's considered if there is a perfect response, the perfect response from a parent that worked? Okay, so perfection is never an option when it comes to human communication. No, it's messy. (laughs) (laughs) It's messy. Humans are messy. And the people that you love the most, which is your spouse and your children, are going to be your messiest relationships. So first off, be compassionate with yourself and don't strive for perfection. But it is really about the situation and what the child is able to handle. So, for example, let me take um, one of the greatest opportunities parents have to be involved with their children, which is teaching them to learn to drive. This is a time when your kid is 15, 16, or 17, where they welcome you back into their life to really guide them. So we guide them about safety. We monitor them very closely, and we teach them a skill um, skill by skill by skill. You loosen your their, their, your reins and you let them take on new things, driving at dark, driving in a storm, 
only when they've mastered the skill under your supervision. But if they're 16 years old and they go, guess what? I'm going to a party um, and you don't know who's at the party and you don't know if there's going to be drugs or alcohol involved. That's where you put down a firm limit. This becomes during adolescence, one of those hand on your stove moments, right? Just like you let your kid knock over something when they were two so they could learn how to um, clean up a mess, but you never let them put the hand on the stove. You never let them walk in the street, right? So we set up barriers when it's around safety and we are absolute in those barriers. No, you may not get in a car with people who might be using drunk, um, drugs or driving under any circumstances, or you will lose all your privileges. But yes, you can learn to build your skills around driving. So life is full of these opportunities. No, you may not stay out till midnight if you're not doing your homework because you need to do get a good night's sleep. But yes, if you are completing your homework before you go out, your grades are staying up, and I know that you're in a safe place, you may stay out till X o'clock. Right. So it's yeah. all about knowing our children. It sounds like a constant negotiation. Um, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back on We're Momming Today. But I do want to go back to the party element that you mentioned moments ago and discuss that when We're Momming Today returns. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. We're back on We're Momming Today with Dr. Ken Ginsberg, a pediatrician and a specialist in everything adolescent. And um, this party thing is really worrying me because you can't, I mean, you can tell your kids drugs are bad, um, but I don't know if you can explain to them in a way that they can really grasp that you might think just popping a pill for the first time or maybe smoking marijuana those are drugs, but they can be laced with fentanyl and kill you right now. Mm-hmm. A lot yep. of parents are scared about this. And how does should. this how does this conversation go down? The conversation begins with, again, having a trusting relationship and your child knowing that when you intervene in something, it's going to be a matter of safety and because it's very important to you. And it is your responsibility to tell children about the dangers of life. But there's also two other levels that you can be working on here, Lauren, in order three, actually, I'm going to give you in order to make things a bit safer. Um, The first thing is we join with other parents, right? So when our children think that we are stricter and have the firmest rules around, children rebel against us and they say that we're not fair. But when we join with other parents in their social circles, their you know school, their soccer club, whatever the social circle might be, and we come up with a common set of rules, which are, for example, there are no parties that are unsupervised without an adult present. For example, when you have common rules like that, it makes it much easier for your child to follow them. That's point one. 
Point two I'd like to make is that we have to understand why kids use drugs. Sometimes they use it just for fun or just to rebel. That's a little bit hard to prevent. But what we also have to know is that a lot of kids turn to drugs to make themselves feel better because life is stressful, life can be painful, and drugs offer a very real escape. But that escape is potentially deadly, as you've pointed out. And even when it's not deadly, holds a lot of potential for harm. So one of the things that we want to do is make sure that our children have a wide repertoire of positive coping strategies so that when life is tough, they won't turn to drugs. They'll turn to something else, including ways to escape in a healthy way, like reading a book or hopefully always knowing they can talk to us. Third, we want to give kids skills for when they find themselves in on. Oh, and I want to tell you that um, you have available to all of your listeners a comprehensive stress reduction plan that their children can use for free from the Center for Parent and Teen Communication. Mm -hmm. The last piece I want to say, Lauren, is I, you know, if we could wrap every one of our children in bubble wrap, we probably would, but we can't and that doesn't prepare them for the world anyway. What we can do is prepare them for surprises and to help them understand that when there's a surprise and they find themselves in a dangerous situation, they can have the skill sets to get out of that situation. And one of the greatest skill sets they can have is to turn to us. So if our children know a code word with us, that they can text us or that they can call us on the phone. So they find themselves in a situation they wanted to follow your rules. They know things are getting out of hand. They want to get out of the situation, but they don't. And when they're 14, know how to turn to a friend and say, I am morally, ethically and spiritually opposed to this behavior. That's hard. But you know what's easy? texting their mother or their father, putting in a code word that when you see it, you know your kid's in trouble. And then you text back or you call them on the phone and you say, I need you home now. In fact, I'm going to pick you up. That enables them to look at their phone and go, oh, man, she's saying I have to go home now. And it gives them a face saving way to get out of trouble and it can literally save their lives. So, again, we give them a wide repertoire of coping strategies. We give them the knowledge based on facts of how drugs and other behaviors can be harmful. And we give them a way of reaching out to us for when they're in trouble with a promise from us. When you reach out to us, you will not be punished for having been in trouble. I will celebrate that you are allowing me to get you out of trouble. I love we that. Will, we will talk the next day. My job is to keep you safe and to teach you, but not to punish you when you do the right thing. So what are some subtle signs that we should be watching out for? I, I know changes in behavior. Maybe you don't like some of the friends your child is uh, associating with. But, but what are some things that might not be so noticeable? Right. So, you know what? We don't notice when our kids withdraw. Right. Um, so it's uh, easy to tell when a kid is depressed 
when they're just gloomy, they're not eating well, they're not sleeping well, right? And indeed you ask them and they say they're sad. It's easy to notice those kids. Something that's harder to notice is when your kid withdraws. And withdrawal can also be a sign of depression. It can also be a sign of wanting increasing independence in your own space. So what we do when our children are withdrawing is we check in with other places in their life. Are they withdrawing from friendships? Are they withdrawing in schools? And if they're remaining really active and engaged in other parts of their life, it's probably a normal situation for them to withdraw. But I'll tell you what I think is the most important point, Lauren. And if I could scream this from every rooftop in America, I would. So thank you for allowing this message to get out to your listeners. And that is that adolescent depression looks different than adult depression, often, about half the time. Half the time, it looks like what we know uh, looks like depression. Again, the losing weight, the gaining weight, the being sad, the, the you know, not taking care of yourself. All of that is obvious. What people miss is that about half of late childhood and adolescent depression presents with irritability, anger. Anger. And because of the mythology that adolescents are always angry, we miss those kids and we miss the opportunity. We call these kids bad instead of understanding that they're sad and troubled. So if you have a kid who's really irritable, I beg you not to assume that's normal and to get a professional involved. And one final point, and then I'll let you go with your next question. Please know that that. A child has never hurt themselves because a parent asked them if they were safe, right? So many parents I've worked with have said, I was worried, but I didn't want to put an idea in their head. When you say to it, when you ask a child, when you say, I am worried about you, you're not yourself and I love you so much. Please tell me if you're safe or I need to worry. That's going to make your kids see, be, feel seen and feel heard. And that will make them feel safer. Do they open up at that point, though? When they need you, they often do, right? And if you're worried that they're not opening up to you, but you remain worried, that's why professionals are so important. Your children are surrounded by professionals who know how to work with kids, whether it's school counselors or teachers, you know, the folks at the Boys and Girls Clubs, right? Engage other people in your life. That is not a sign of parental failure, right? Kids naturally pull away from parents sometimes, but they also come back to us when they need us and they appreciate adult involvement in their life. Let's look at this as understanding that there are other members in the community that can help protect your child and strengthen your family. Yeah. I guess I always thought of, um, and, and you just clarified it, the, the, the need or the resignation that it's time, we can't solve this. Uh, with our child and taking them to a professional is a sign of parental failure. It's a sign of parental strength. Good parents are parents who get kids what they need. You know, another thing that's available to your listeners is a piece I've written on how to support your child to get professional help through a strength-based lens. There are so many ways. It's a matter of how we approach it, right? Lauren, if we say, I'm sick of you, your behavior's out of um, control and you need help, then we're starting out behind the game. 
But if we say, I love you more than you can imagine, you're not being who I know you can be and you deserve support. And if we also accept something else, Lauren, which is sometimes that the adolescents who most struggle have within them the seeds of being the most magnificent adults, right? The kids who are deeply sensitive and deeply caring, deeply feeling a little bit anxious, a little emotional, those are going to become the adults who care and who feel and who connect with other people and who are going to remain sensitive. This is a period of time in their life where they haven't yet learned how to celebrate those strengths and those such strengths are creating some pain in them. If we can help them understand that we are not ashamed of their emotions, we celebrate their emotions, we love that they feel, and all that we want right now is for them to have the support to learn how to work with the emotions they've been blessed to have. Dr. Ginsburg, thank you for the time. Um, it has been my pleasure. It's been thank comforting you. for me and a lot of people. Thank you. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.